kick in by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry, Stewart, Corey Perry. Lillian able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani around in front. All right, <laughs> we're back with uh, unfortunately uh, I, another another loss this time to the Minnesota Wild. Probably the worst loss this season. Not uh, a great one for the Ducks. I'll be surprised how many people are actually showing up <laughs> to to listen to us for this game. To be honest, um, I, I I don't really know what to say because it felt like all the positives from that game against Calgary uh, they're out the window. They're gone. And uh, the Ducks are right back to what we were kind of used from them. Uh, plus 40 shots again. Uh, John Gibson uh, kind of come back down to earth. He's not uh, playing like a god anymore. And this is the result. The Ducks lose 5-1. to one. I, I tried really hard. I wanted to have like good vibes, get back on the, the post-game show, and the Ducks do well. I, I even got Goose Island beer that I'm trying to drink, just trying to get something, some sort of positive energy, something to go forward and, and <laughs> do something. Yeah, <laughs> because right something. now I can't see anything going right. It's just, it's annoying. It's a uh, same stuff, different day. Yeah. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't put it into words the way the Ducks have been playing uh, at this juncture of the season. We're almost about, to, I think we're about a fifth of the way through the season now. And yeah. this is the epitome. I think this is probably their worst performance of the season. Um, it, it does come against a good team, but really right now, any team the Ducks play is pretty much a good team, right? I mean, <laughs> you look at their next eight games, they have Nashville twice. They've got Vegas, Colorado, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, all sprinkled in there. I mean, they're about to go against some of the best teams in the entire league, and uh, it's not going to get much better. I don't know what to say. It, it's not. Yeah, like- yeah. And you would think like a homestand, like they have uh, that's coming up with a bunch of home games, and their only road games are against LA. That's not much, and Vegas. Other than yeah. that, they're they're home for most of this stuff. So that's that's you know, it's not travel weary. It's it's not you know, too tough to be able to have the energy to show up. Um, and, you know, Minnesota, in my opinion, is it's, they've relied heavily on their goaltending. They're not a super awesome team, but they're the hottest team right now. And with them being a hot team and the Ducks just, you know, doing what Ducks do, and that's tread water. It's just barely stay above <laughs> above the, the water line and not drown. But uh, they they had a hell of a time tonight for sure. Yeah, uh, you like you said, you, Minnesota coming into this game hot. They had won eight of their last ten, and uh, again, obviously winning this one, they're in what is a jam-packed Central Division. So this is a big win for them. It, I guess it means more for Bruce Boudreau as well. First meeting of the season with the Ducks <laughs> in the Wild, and and he picks up the win. Uh, a couple of things in this one. Uh, let me just pull this up here. So Nick Ritchie back in the lineup, coming back. For, I think he missed six games. He looked okay. He didn't look great, but he—I yeah. mean, he did—he did all right. And and again, I think what everybody picked up on was, which we'll get to, but the penalty he drew in the offensive zone—that's what I guess we're used to from seeing uh, for by when we're looking at uh, Nick Ritchie. Um, yeah. And then we had Gibson back in net, so obviously John Gibson goes in net. That's what we're going to see most of the season. Uh, Carrick and Walensky sent down. So then that allows Nick Ritchie to draw back in the lineup. Luke Shen draws back into the lineup, and he didn't have himself a great game either. I think the most interesting news beforehand was about somebody who didn't even play for the Ducks to go into this game. Andre Kasha seems like he's inching closer to a return. He participated in a full (laughs) practice on Thursday with Nick Ritchie, so he's slowly getting closer to coming back. It couldn't be too soon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he got injured. It was the very last preseason game against the Kings when Dowdy kind of gave him a, a cheap shot, uh, and they've they've missed that. They've missed a twenty goal score, um, and it'll be interesting. I know concussions are always weird, and it seems like they could be 
here today and then you know they could have a setback so it's it's always rough but uh, that speed, but also someone that's maybe got a little bit more confidence, a little bit uh, more experience at the NHL level will help us out because we're trying to get faster, but we're also very young, and uh, sometimes it takes a little while for that to kind of sink in. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just get into this this breakdown here. I, it, do we have to? I know, I know. I, uh. I, I, we we got to do it. And, <laughs> It doesn't open very well because it opens with the first goal of the game for the Minnesota Wild. It opens with Jordan Greenway's goal, which is off just a terrible play all around by everybody. Uh, Brandon Montour gets beat on the wall by uh, Joel Erickson. He's not a big guy, and he just shoves Montour off, and then nobody, and I mean nobody, is picking up Jordan Greenway who's wide open, and John Gibson's <laughs> hung out to dry again. He walks around. There's a little bit of, of confusion if it goes in in the first place, but it just crosses the line. John Gibson actually almost makes this save, yeah. which is ridiculous that he almost actually gets across to make it. But Jordan Greenway puts the wild up early in this one. Yeah, and the weird part was is that, I mean, Greenway was in like a, a really uh, odd spot where no one would think to defend. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, he was right in the middle, <laughs> in the high <laughs> slot, getting the puck all alone, and then he even had time to think about what he wanted to do and then make a deke. Um, yeah, poor John Gibson had to, had to, you know, challenge him because it was in the prime scoring spot. And kudos to, to Greenway to actually kind of just, you know, move off to the side, get a little bit extra more room because he had it. And he took the shot, and you know, you know, Gibson's leg was already in the crease because he was pretty much down and out. And the fact, yeah, that he even got as close as he did uh, was, you know, good for him. But at the same time, it's just like it's one of those things. And this is going to be a common theme throughout yeah. this uh, breakdown: is that Gibson just is left out there on his own, and the frustration will start to build. And this is the the first stepping stone early in a game that should be a uh, Let's see what we can do. We beat Calgary. Let's let's get this going, and uh, that that one kind of hurt. Yeah, it, it's going to be a theme of the entire podcast and, and poor defensive coverage that we saw on, on pretty much every goal throughout this entire game. Uh, to, to move a little bit more through the first period, there wasn't a ton that happened. Uh, Eves took a double minor for high stake. I actually didn't see what it was for, uh, but he ends up getting a double minor. The Wilds power play. This is a power play that is clicking on all cylinders. They didn't score on this double minor. But this is what a power play is supposed to look like. The Ducks did an okay job of a penalty killing during that double. Well, line. they killed it. They killed it. So that's a good job. Yeah. But yeah. Um, just the way they move the puck, everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody has a role on that power play, and you can see it. They got chance after chance after chance. The, uh, Felino and Shen dropped the gloves, and then at that point, shots were 14-3 to Minnesota. This was halfway through the first period. They were out, <sighs> They were on pace for, what is that? Almost seventy-eight. Oh, so yeah, that's thirty per period. Almost ninety. <laughs> uh, and so, so the Ducks can't get much of anything going at this point. John Gibson makes two massive saves, and and he was doing this all night. But he denies Eric Stahl, Stahl right in front, point blank, and then on his own rebound, he denies Stahl again. A theme of the game. I, I, sort of because John Gibson he he did all he could in this one, but these were some of his best days of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, early and often he was uh, asked to make a lot of big saves, and and especially a team that played the night before, um, sometimes they can jump out and have that little extra step, and you can hopefully rely on your goalie to bail you out if you, you kind of have soft plays. Obviously, the first one, once again, not really his fault. Uh, but this could have easily – that could have been two goals. One, two. And uh, Eric Saul uh, could have really kind of, you know, almost ended it early. But Gibson stands tall again, and that's what he's been doing. And uh, the Ducks are so soft in front of their <laughs> net. They're they're just the big sigh on that. It's just, and I feel like I'm sighing for all of you know Tux Nation that is looking at this and just going like, is anyone going to play defense? Do I have to go out there? Do I have to put on skates? Do I have to go out there with a stick and start stopping people? Because I mean, at this point, it's just 
it's it's the same thing, just a different day. And I'm tired of saying that too. <laughs> it's just so annoying. But yeah, yeah I mean, he, he's left out to dry, and uh, I mean, good on him to keep it as close as he could because this this game could have been gone in the first period. Yeah, and things kind of got a little bit more chippy from there. I, Surprisingly enough, the first period was the chippiest of all periods because there was the fight. There was Erickson Eck pushing Gibson into the net. There was a scrum after that play. Uh, but this is gets off with a nice hit. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we he uh, crushes Greg Pattern at the end of the first period. Uh, but th- at this point, I, when when we got to the end of the first period, the only thought that was going through my head, and I already mentioned this before, was that any positives from the Calgary game? Uh, they're, the, they're, they're not at the point. One thing out there, or at least that's what it seemed to me, is that the Ducks were trying to get back to their old identity. It feels like a team that's kind of lost its identity a little yeah. bit. Like they wanted to be a quick, you know, transition team, but they don't quite know how to do it. And they still have kind of those veteran guys. So like Eves came out and Eves was a beast in that first period. He was making hits. He did take a penalty. But I mean, he, he was making hits. Gensloff was making hits. It was kind of that throwback a little bit to what the Ducks used to do that used to work. Um but at the same time, it was the same problem. It's too many shots, and those hits didn't really make a The period of my hit stand showed some emotion, it seemed like. But after that first period, it kind of all went downhill. Whatever they did in that first period kind of just went away. Yeah. I mean, they finished the first period outshot 19-5. to uh, Testament to how bad that period went. Uh, surprisingly enough, only coming out down one nothing. I guess, is the only plus you can take out of that first period. High five, Gibson. Yeah, but it doesn't last long because <laughs> yeah. the, the really the first main play in the second period was the goal by Jason Zucker. Um, and I had to give Mikel Granling credit on this play. Uh, nobody does challenge him down low, but it's a great pass out to Zucker in front of the net. It's a little saucer pass, like a two-foot saucer pass over John Gibson's stick right onto to Jason Zucker's stick. But uh, again, nobody picks up Jason Zucker. Ja- Jacob Larson or Jacob Larson gets beat to the net. He just isn't paying attention. Beat to the net. Yeah, first, I have a problem. You keep calling him Zucker. I feel like his name is Zucker. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, from a goal standpoint, um, when the puck is behind the net, it's the most frustrating thing. You, you've got to try and look n- not just over your shoulder. Look it over your shoulder. You can kind of do that as a normal person. Add in, you know, a chest protector where it's here and then there's a helmet that's trying to pull you back in to be able to look behind you left right and especially when he's going left and right it's really tough to pick up that and also be able to know who the hell is coming in front and about to shoot on me who's who's a possible pass option so in that instance it was already going to be a tough play for gibson to do but he actually came over did what you're supposed to do and that's put your stick in the in the crease and not let something you know along the ice go the defenseman kind of came in tried to kind of do the same thing and it was an amazing pass it just did kind of a la um korea and salani where they would just kind of float passes over sticks and land perfectly for the other person and zucker scored that goal turned right around and said you know amazing effing pass and uh, it really was just a great pass so even though the Ducks once again didn't play it great, that was you just almost have to tip your cap at well, that was just a great pass and a slam dunk for the other guy. And Gibson almost even got to that even. Yeah. So it's just it's just tough around if they're making that good a play, but at the same time he had so much time to kind of think about what he wanted to do. So yeah. how would you like to watch the same thing but in reverse? No. Tell me more. Do <laughs> you mean the Ducks uh, did it? No, I mean, literally oh. about three minutes later, <laughs> Jason Zucker uh, supplies Mikel Granlin with a pass from behind the net, and uh, it ends up being three to nothing, Minnesota. Mikel Granlin jukes Josh Manson out of his shorts. It's embarrassing. It's mm. such a juke. He gives him a couple shoulder fakes, and he's no. gone. He's gone by him. Uh, I mean. <laughs> The back-to-back goals were this pairing. I guess they were pairing because they were together for this goal. They were together for the goal before this. Uh, Jakob Larson and Josh Manson both getting beat by Mikel Grandlin and, and Jason Zucker on this play. Thank so, you. 
uh, I had to get it right just because I knew it was going to come up later. For our American friends. Just just two embarrassing goals. Bad defensive coverage for the third time. One-on-one plays where you're not really covering your man, and, and it's too easy. Yeah, they they couldn't defend a guy behind the you know their own net, and um, Brian Hayward uh, really kind of pointed this out. And it's like, listen, if you're confused about going after the guy, if you're the only defenseman there, and you've got to try and flush this dude out, a flush him out, and b flush him out to his backhand side. They kept flushing him out to the forehand side, which is far easier to make good passes. And Gibson once again almost. Almost gets to that puck. He hits his glove, but his glove is just a little bit late on it. And it hits the glove and, and sneaks in. So once again, it's not necessarily that um, you know the, there wasn't much that Gibson. There was nothing Gibson could do on any of those. At the same yeah. time, it's just the little mental mistakes where you know, hey, all right, this guy's doing his thing. Uh, let me just force him on the back end, make him do an amazing backhand a great pass to somebody open give it their forehand they got so many more options if they do it that way and uh, gibson's just he's at the mercy of his own defenseman at that point cover yeah. somebody in front because i can't i can't cover everybody yeah there's not much he can do on that play too because he can't really see what uh, jason sucker is going to do behind the net i mean he's kind of hope that josh manson is going to be able to cover and stick to mikhail grandland and obviously he doesn't and then at that point it's it's a one-timer from two feet in front of the net and <laughs> Gibson does a pretty good job of, of covering most of it but he also has to get over to that side as well because he's not fully over to that side so uh, again first three goals you can't blame John Gibson it's been a story of, of this season where it's just poor defensive defensive coverage the, the Ducks get just a little weak. bit of a chance after this Dumba goes off for cross-checking uh, but the Ducks, of course, get nothing from that power play and then right after that the Wild are already back in Anaheim's zone Parise tips a point shot that goes off Gibson's shoulder and off the crossbar, so the Wild almost come close to making it 4 nothing. Mm-hmm. But then the Ducks catch a break, sort of. Uh, Suter goes off for high sticking. And then Pontus Aberg, the only guy who can seem to score goals for the Ducks this year, uh, ends up almost messing this up because <laughs> he receives a... This is probably the best pass I've seen them make on the power play all year. Uh, it's yeah. a great cross-ice pass from Hampus Lintel to Pontus Aberg, but he doesn't one-time it. He, he he takes it, yeah. waits a couple seconds. Yeah, and then he, yeah luckily, <laughs> Alex Daylock is falling forward, and he roofs it into the top corner. Uh, but this this almost didn't happen because yeah. he he allows him to get over, and he waits at least three or four seconds before he takes a shot. I'm not sure if you know he doesn't corral it right, but from looking at the replay right now, he pump fakes it. So he receives it perfectly, tape to tape, pump fakes it, and then throws it top corner. So it's it's kind of a good play and maybe not the best play to make at the same time. It kind of is almost uh, symbolic of the duck season. It's like, oh, I could strike, but I'm going to try and fuck it up first. Yeah. So let me see if I can do that. And then if it goes in, hey, great news for us. But, yeah, no, you know, it, yeah, who am I to to tell the leading uh, Ducks goal scorer how to score goals? So I mean, at, at that point, we'll take whatever we can, especially right at the end of the second period. And now a three zero lead is three one. You know, two goals that's not necessarily impossible to come back from going into the third period. Uh, I'm so glad we got him. Uh, you said it was his fifth goal. I think. Uh, in like a handful of games, maybe like 12, 12 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's got five goals in 12 games. And, and he plays fifth in his 50. last seven as well. Uh, yeah, I think he played like 50-some-odd games last season and got five goals. So he's yeah. already matched what he did last season in just a handful of games. So uh, I think uh, out of all the uh, shuffling that ends up happening later on, I think, uh, you know, Auberg and uh, Getzloff was something that actually worked. Not to discredit him too much, but I, when you're playing most of the season with Ryan Getzlaff and then also getting some power play time, I think that's going to help in your quest to beat your career high of five goals. Now, he obviously has played well, and five in your last seven is good for anybody, but I think uh, I think that helps a bit. But, I mean, I mean somebody's got to be scoring for the Ducks. I, I, are you saying that if he was playing on the fourth line, he wouldn't score as many goals? Yeah, that's the the bold that's statement a, I'm making. That is bold. <laughs> that is bold, sir. 
All right, so the Ducks actually started to play a little bit better after that. Uh, unfortunately, they're outshot 33 to 14 at the end of the second. Outscored Just to, wait, let that let that sink in, everyone. 33 to 14. 14 shots. 33 no, is already even, something. Nobody even has to let that sink in because we've seen it all oh. year. That's a that's a game's worth of shots, but for the Ducks, that's shots after the second period 9 out of 10 times. Um, oh. You put in the notes. Unfortunately, we didn't score in the intermission. So we, st- <laughs> we, we start the third, how we end the second. Um, Man, if that was a possibility... I, I I would actually stick around for intermissions, <laughs> they actually, but unfortunately, it's today not. Were pretty good because they had the interview with uh, Noah Ennis from Shellshock Designs, who we had on the yes. show earlier this uh, earlier this year before the season started. The offseason, that yeah. was a great interview, and then they were looking at uh, goalie mask. I think in the second intermission, at some of their favorite ones. So, actually, yeah. some good intermission entertainment this time. Uh, but anyway, I, let's, I, let's... I was just I was just hoping they'd add a goal for the Ducks. Yeah, they come back like just All a right, sympathy goal. Let's see. Let's see. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> the, there wasn't much that happened in the third period, to be honest. Uh, that was really good for the Ducks. Randy Carlisle changing up some of the lines. Uh, Richie was playing with Henrique and Patrick Eves at one point. From there on out, it was a lot of choppy play. The Ducks really don't much going on. 4 and 2 at one point, but they sat up. Uh, it, it did shot at just one. So going on there. Again, Boiling Dog shifting for Raquel. Uh, uh, this has been not defensive coverage, but for linchages for the Ducks. And. Uh, Brodeen is able to walk in uncontested on John Gibson and snipe it top corner. Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts about this. Uh, one was that line change. And I think there were a couple of Ducks players that seemed to run into each other and then just fall down. And I've seen I've seen way, way better line. I've seen bad line changes in my beer league hockey games that didn't look that bad. That yeah. looked so bad. It was so obvious. They could barely – they didn't even get to center. Silverberg had to throw it out and just exodus. Everyone's like, I don't, want, I don't want to be on the ice anymore. And everyone leaves. And then Brodeen, defenseman, comes running in and takes a shot. This is a shot that Gibson wants back. It wasn't as bad bad of a snipe as it seemed or like as great of a shot as it seemed it was kind of one of those things where he was in a great spot with a strong eye to shoot and you can sell that short side far side you can sell it high it's low at that point he led the play it's going to be more of a short side shot it's just a first shot just kind of beat him in the crook of the arm and looks you know because of the trajectory it ends up going like high and looks like a really good snipe but it was it's kind of one of those things where it's like crap, okay, I've got to try and bail out my team because they don't know how to freaking do a line change. Something yeah. simple. Something where we we could be in this game and now I've got to try and bail this out. And uh, I can understand the frustration building. No, for sure. And, and it boils over a bit for John Gibson as uh, Eric Fair clearly says something to him that incenses him and he puts him uh, in a bit of a headlock. Maybe the first time... <laughs> We've seen John Gibson boil over to some extent. It wasn't a lot, but that's, I think, the the most frustrated we've visibly seen John Gibson all year. Definitely this season, for sure. And, yeah, yeah I can't, I can't uh, and it was after he made another great glove save and out of frustration, and goalies will do this, and I've done this, where you're tired and you're done with it. You make the save. You're tired of your team just sucking, and you just throw the puck out and go like, here, you guys try and chase this because I'm tired of catching it for you guys. And Eric Fair probably said something like, you know, hey, you know, why are you being a dick or this and the other, man? Your team blows. I don't know, whatever he did to say, you know, to get underneath John Gibson's skin at that point. And John Gibson, he didn't throw any punches, but he got him in a headlock, knocked his helmet off. And it was just, you know, at that point, it was just the, the last draw. He was already frustrated. He had to make another save. He threw it out. It's more or less that's emotion that tells your team, I'm tired of doing this. How about I get something? You have the side tripping for him. He just kind of, kind of lost his his cool for a bit, but I mean, it could have gone way worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, the rest of this game, I mean, not not too much, too many positives for the Ducks. Shen gets two minutes for interference. Uh, weird, there wasn't a penalty for John Gibson on that play with Eric Fair, but I think they probably just wanted to avoid, I guess, what they would have called coincidental minors, so they just kind of left it at that. Um, but then Koivu actually scores. Uh, but they deemed that uh, Zach Parise pushed Ryan Kessler into the net, knocking it off. That's 
partially true, but Ryan Kessler also yeah. gives him a nice little, <laughs> nice little elbow to knock it off the <laughs> off the the back of the net. So, Ducks kind of get away with one there. Koivu was visibly upset, which when you're up four to one, do you really have to be that upset about not scoring a goal? I mean, I I, I don't think he's had he, at that point. Yeah, I, I think he's you know maybe a little bit more frustrated uh, that you know. His season isn't going as well as it should, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It, 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 there's a push, but Kessler makes almost no difference. Like, oh, thank you. I did not wish that behind me when I think it's a push into. I can understand being right at the same time. It's that he got pushed. Maybe he could have more of an effort, but you can't help trade and not run to your own point. So, what are you going to do? Yeah, not much they could really do. Uh, Wild get the 40th shot of the period before the five minute mark uh, remaining in the third period. There we go. 4 0. Shots were 40 to 19 at that point. Uh, Gibson clearly, clearly over this game at that point. Uh, visibly upset, visibly frustrated with like pretty much everybody. Uh, but the Wild weren't done there because not no. too long later. Uh, Guess who? The two guys in this game who are getting things going for the Wild, Jason Zucker and Mikel Granlund, connect again for the Wild's fifth goal of the game. Uh, again, I would put a little bit of blame here on Josh Manson because it, it's a play by Jason Zucker he, where he shoots it on the net. Uh, it comes out as a rebound, and Mikel Granlund, again, he shakes free of Josh Manson, or Manson doesn't really pick him up in front of the net. And he just gets enough of it on the backhand to get it by John Gibson, who really doesn't at that point look like he's tracking it with any kind of effort at all at this point. He's just visibly frustrated. Uh, it probably assumes that either one of uh, Street or or Manson are going to get it out at that point, but nobody does. Yeah, from a goalie standpoint, when that play happens, uh, I mean, Granlin was yeah, he, he chopped at it, and sometimes guys are just in a weird, funky zone where they just end up knocking it in. They're doing stupid things that end up working. I mean, they do an amazing, you know, pass that they, they 99 times out of 100, they don't do. It gets an assist. They come streaking in. They just barely beat the glove side. Or they get this one where he just kind of whacks at it after taking a little bit of a look. But from a goalie standpoint and Gibson standpoint, he's got to go, somebody's got to grab somebody. I've got to pay attention to the guy with the clock. I can't go left and back to right and hopefully cover the entirety of the, you know, the net. Someone's got to bail me out here, at least a little bit. And so, you know, once those start going in, you can tell when a goalie is frustrated when the puck goes in and they don't care when yeah. it goes in and they just go like, well, there's that one yeah. again. And, you know, I mean, if they care too. If they care, if it goes in, they're frustrated, they're pissed, they're maybe talking to themselves, you know, they're, they're trying to do it. But if they're doing their game right and their team is failing them, you'll just see uh, – it's like hope is lost. It's kind of like most Ducks fans at this point where you're just like, of course it did. Yep. I, it's a I, long sigh. Yep, and uh, that was pretty much it for the third period. The Ducks close the it game. out with a five to one loss against the Minnesota Wild. I believe shots were forty three to twenty to finish the the, the game, and uh, right at the end of the game, fans vocally frustrated with the play of the Ducks. Fire Carlisle chance break out at Honda Center. Uh, is this the tipping point? Because now, I mean, fans uh, online or not publicly at Honda Center have voiced their frustrations for Randy Carlisle, but now they're doing it at Honda Center. Uh, I'm not sure if Bob Murray was there to hear it, but this is something that's more helpful. Yeah, I feel like um, they tried the new approach, if you want to call it, if you can call it that. So they definitely tried to do it. It's had no success unless Gibson is playing out of his damn mind. Um, and when he starts playing at least at a, a semi-normal or above-normal average, they still lose. But unless he's playing excellent, they're done. The Ducks tried to do what the old ducks did and that was to be a lot more physical try and be engaged emotionally with those hits uh and they did that for the first period and from after that it, it just became the old thing again and so this is a team that seems a loss seems out of sorts doesn't know what you know the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing everyone just seems lost and at this point um that's gotta come from in my opinion coaching 
or some sort of systematic failure because there's too much talent to be there. Yeah, there's a lot of young players that maybe need to learn what their role is or how to do it. But at the same time, they all know how to play hockey. It's just, is the system not working? And I feel like the fans have already kind of realized it. And the yeah. fact that you can only win two games out of 11 is just beyond frustrating at this point. Um, because the only reason we're even possibly contemplating playoffs is that the Pacific Division is just crap at this point. Yeah, uh, and, and more so, I think, when you're looking at the Pacific Division, it's the fact that there are some teams near the top that we didn't expect to be there. Um, and, and I guess in that sense, you expect maybe some regression from those teams. Vancouver is one of them. Edmonton's another. Uh, Arizona creeping up there as well. That is a, another that could be a, a one that ends up regressing. But it, it is a little bit wide open, and I think that's what a lot of people are looking at wondering if, if the Ducks still have a chance to get back in it because of that. Personally, I don't think they do. Just if they're going to continue to play those both if the Ducks are going to continue to play this way, there's no way things are wide open in the Pacific Division. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the games, they play Nash twice, Vegas, Toronto, Colorado, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Tampa Bay. Uh, those are all very good teams right now. Uh, the worst team probably on the list, I think, in standings-wise is probably the Vegas Golden Knights, and they whooped the Ducks in the only meeting uh, against them this year. And um, and then you even look at Vancouver and Edmonton, who are supposed to be bad teams this year and are not as good as they are, and you've got the Oilers, who are led by Connor McDavid, and getting some, he's getting some help this year, which is enough for them to be somewhat relevant. And then you've got Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser leading the Vancouver Canucks to first. In, I think they're still first in the division right now. I'm 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 befuddled. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how else to to describe how the Pacific Division has kind of played out in the way that it has, where it was so obvious that San Jose should be top. Uh, obviously, a Vegas regression would happen, but not nearly to the extent. Uh, you figure L.A. would have been somewhere in there. You figure the Ducks would you know do a you know a wake up and do a youth movement that would actually kind of work. But their their defense and team play has been that bad that literally three Canadian teams are leading in the Pacific Division. Yeah. I mean, it's just not something you, you thought at the beginning of the season. Hey, you know, by November, you'll have three Canadian teams leading the Pacific Division. I say, OK, buddy. Yeah. All right. What, what are you smoking? And can I have some? But uh, it's yeah. Not gonna better. I mean, the schedule hasn't been scheduled for this. especially when you kind of consider like past things. They usually start on the road, and it's usually a long road, um, uh, you know, road trip before they ever even get home for their first home opener. So they've had a, a reasonably schedule, and this is kind of their home for a long, long time. I think almost all the way. You know, they they either have to they're either in California or they're in Nevada all the way through uh, Thanksgiving at this point. Sorry, American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, at this point. <laughs> so, I mean, I figured, like, they'd be able to, you know, string a few wins together. And it's just, I mean, five to one. It's not going to get better. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not. It's not going to get better. And, and again, we're looking at these as hard opponents, but the, the Ducks haven't proven they could beat anybody this year. Um, so you you could you could put any teams I think on, on this list right now. I mean they lost to the worst team in the league when the Kings were in town. They were I believe ranked thirty first in the league. So it, it doesn't really matter where teams are in the standings this year. The Ducks are getting beat badly by pretty much most of them, and I think it's disappointing because we we knew things weren't going to get better. But that game against Calgary was one of the better games they played this year. They were able to keep up with Calgary. It, it felt like things were getting better, and and. We kind of saw through that to some extent, but uh, all of those positives, all those little things that we pointed out in the last podcast that the Ducks were doing well just disappeared within 20 minutes in this game. After the first period, it was like, oh, they're not there anymore, and that's it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, let's let's analyze a little bit of things. This line didn't stay together for the entire game. Um, but I wanted to look at what you thought of Ricard Raquel, Ryan Getzlaff, and Patrick Eze when they, they were together. They started the game together. I liked it. I, I thought it was really good. Um, whoever, whenever Getzlaff was on the ice, that line was good. I mean, it, you know, maybe they, they didn't dominate exactly every shift he was out there. 
But if he was out there, even if there was a mistake, it seemed to be corrected in a way that pushed offense. And uh, Eves uh, was finally – he was a different person, a different player this game. There was hits. He was involved. It, it, it didn't seem like someone who was coming off the rust off of a year of missing playing hockey. He came in. He was hitting. He was involved. Raquel was fine once again uh, this whole season with Raquel. He's had a lot of nice little dipsy-doodle plays that kind of look nice. But at the same time, I'm expecting more. I think that Ducks are expecting more. Because if this if with Gasloff, that line will be good. And whether it's Auberg or it's Eves or it's Raquel, that line seems to click because Getzloff's there. Um, and then uh, after that, it's just it's inconsistency. So, I mean, as far as that first line goes, it was nice to see Eves uh, be very physical and very involved. Getzloff seemed involved, especially in the first period. But every time he played, uh, there was a noticeable shift towards Duck's offense. Yeah, I, I liked his, what I saw from them to some extent. I think, again, Eves played a noticeable game. He didn't really make any mistakes, but he, he's kind of been okay. He hasn't been great, but he's done some things. He's done the little things, I think. He was physical in this game. Uh, he was in, parked in front of the net, I believe, on... I th- I can't remember whose goal it was, but a couple games ago, he was getting in front of the net. He was creating havoc in the crease. Not something you're used to seeing from Patrick East, but he's at least trying to make himself useful if he's not getting on the score sheet. And and frankly, the last three games before this one, he was getting some good chances. He just wasn't being able to bury them. And yeah, I think continuing to put these guys together is, is something that they're going to have to try and do because you need to get both of these guys and Raquel and, and Eve scoring because nobody else is right now other than, than Pontus Aberg. And occasionally you've got Jakob Silverberg who's, who's jumped back into the and is putting some goals in, into the back of the net on a regular basis. But uh, at this point of the season, when your your team high is five, Scored one tonight. I'm not sure who's last. Uh, now they're first, right? Yeah, now they're first. Yeah, so the they goal. just jumped the whole spectrum. No, but the the, uh, <laughs> the Ducks are are probably either they're they're likely still 30th or 31st in goals per game, and and at some point that who's worse? Be. I don't know. I have no you don't idea. Know? <laughs> I would assume it's probably one of now. Now I want to find out who is worse. Yeah, I want to know too. It would. Have I think to I do. Be it, well, who do you think it is? Uh, yeah, let's see. Let me do uh, guessing. Uh, it, w- it wouldn't be Buffalo. Who doesn't score a lot? Who hasn't played a lot of games? Um, I guess. Oh, uh, I know who it is. Oh, is it a goodie? Yeah. Is it the Kings? <laughs> it is the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Kings' goals per game going in tonight was 2.2 <laughs> goals per okay. game. The Ducks going into 2. tonight 2. were 2.35. <laughs> Ah, so likely, so much, so much better. Likely, they haven't climbed into the basement yet, uh, but it, it it really isn't. Yeah, they're they're laying the bedding so that they can kind of snuggle in there and feel good. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's horrible. It, worst offense in the league. Yeah. How, how how has anyone thought like support the team? They're, they're trying. They're doing things like can't score. The only reason we're doing this is five or six games where goalie just build this the hell out. There's no it at all. I mean yeah. and. No offense behind it, and you're this far into the season already. Like you said, what, what, a fifth of the way into the season. you got to hope the next fifth is going to be all that much better. I mean, they didn't show it tonight. Only scored one goal, got you know, gave up the, their, their highest amount of goals against, which is five. And you see a you know, goalie that you just signed for seven years just say, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to start fights. <laughs> yeah, That's how desperate it's starting to get for the Ducks. Yeah, it, it it has not been good. Um, one thing I was thinking about watching this game in the last few games is Isaac Lindstrom has slowly started to look overwhelmed, and, and that's not fully on him. This team has not looked great over the last few games in general. Um, but is it time with Andre Kasha, his return likely on the horizon, is it time to consider maybe sending Isaac Lindstrom back to either Sweden or San Diego, depending on where he wants to go? Um, yeah, I think that's that's one too. I mean, he he's been able to handle 
handle playing in the NHL from a physical standpoint, but from a production standpoint, not really. And I mean, at this point, if if he's not able to do it, and quite honestly, I was you know watching this game, uh, the one person who kept you know jumping at me, you know, in an unfortunately a negative way, wasn't Lundstrom. It was more Sherwood. Sherwood looked way out of place. He was running into his own players. He was making bad decisions with the puck or without the puck, just where he went. So this is kind of that thing that happens when you start putting in a whole bunch of young players. Sam Steele's gone down. Troy Terry's gone down. You kind of hope it's going to get a little bit better. But Sherwood was uh, very underwhelming for me this game. Lundstrom, kind of a ghost. I don't understand, you know, I, I don't see reason not to let him go somewhere else, maybe gain a little bit more confidence, come back next season, something like this. Because at this point, we're kind of at the tipping point where it's like, are we really, you know, what exactly are we going to do? Are we going to let this, this uh, you know, parade along and start wasting, you know, the, this team's talent or, you know, their um, their confidence moving on? So I think, yeah, it's time to kind of move on from him and just let him develop a, a little bit better, and then let's let's relook at this at the end of, or the start of next year. Yeah, because what he's really brought the team so far hasn't been offenses, but how responsible and how reliable he's been, and I don't think that's going to change too much. But that's not necessarily what the Ducks need at this point. They need, they need goals. goals and. It, the, the ideal situation for me is is that he would uh, agree to go down to San Diego and be able to be close by if he, they're wanting to recall him because that would be a nice option to be able to recall mm-hmm. him this year instead of if sending him back to Sweden and not being able to do that. Uh, I don't think he wants to do that. I, I, from what we heard at the beginning of the season, is it's it's either Anaheim or Sweden. Um, so we'll have to see. I know Sweden would, would probably be better for his development. It's probably more of a competitive league than the American Hockey League, but that that remains to be seen but that kind of goes to if the ducks are looking for scoring right now there's one guy who's scoring at a, a pretty pretty rapid pace since being sent down to AHL uh, Troy Terry extended his point streak to 7 games tonight and that's he's only played 7 games with the girls so far so he's up to last time I checked before we get into this just to see if he added to that it uh, doesn't look like it's he's two goals and six in the game since he sent down uh, how long does he have to do at that rate called up uh, it's not necessarily that he's producing at that. Um, he's producing the NHL. Nick uh, Ritchie is you, you can't keep him as the same thing. You could keep down there because it would just dominate. But then you bring him up, and it doesn't necessarily translate to the NHL. And so, you know, my my fear is that that could be a possibility for Troy Terry. Obviously, we're talking about completely different players. Uh, but I mean, we were talking about you know you just play with Getzloff, and you should probably do pretty damn good. He had a lot of time to play with Getzloff, and it didn't really work out. Um, so my, I mean, my hope is at some point he'll probably get another shot to crack the Ducks lineup. Uh, but you know, producing at the AHL level is all fine and dandy, but they're not going to keep you up at the big club if you're not producing. And because he's still so young and you know just out of uh, college. You don't want to keep him in the NHL if he's not producing, and you know. And then all of a sudden, he starts getting you know bombarded by media, and you know people asking, "Well, well what's going on? Why can't you score goals here? You can score goals in the AHL, yada yada yada." So, I mean, hopefully, he's gone from college to a you know the NHL, and then went down to the AHL, figured out how to do it there, and then maybe it can translate to what he can do in the NHL. But, I mean, at this point, the Ducks need goal scoring. And so at some point, you're going to start maybe putting down a Sherwood and bringing up a Troy Terry. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I do agree with the point that he needs to produce at the NHL level. But I, I think right now, the fact that we sent him down there was to get some confidence and, and get, you know, improve his offensive ability down in the AHL. He needed to get some confidence. He needed to come back up and, and show what we thought he was going to start the season like. He had a pretty good rookie camp. He had a pretty good preseason. Uh, he was playing with Ryan Getzlaff. We thought things were going to go good for him, and he was the most disappointing guy to start the season. And I think this is, this is more than I think you could ask for him and what I expected when he got sent down to San Diego. I thought 
you know, he, he'd play well, maybe be a point-per-game guy at best, but, you know, going through, and it's not like he's lit it up every game, but he's still been on the score sheet for all seven games that he's been down there, so I think it's a matter of time before the Ducks fall back, because I thought, you know, they had Samuel Jones and Troy Terry together, and thought at that point, they were going to try and stick with those for a long time, but they actually have Castle with Mac Jones and Terry tonight, so they're playing the lineups around, they're not set on guys down there yet, so I could see Troy Terry getting called up relatively soon. I think it all depends on um, how long it takes for Andre Cash to get back in the lineup. If they believe he's ready the next couple games, they'll probably give that a test first, see how that goes, and then maybe bring up Troy Terry later on because I think they don't want to call up Troy Terry and play him on the fourth line. It doesn't make sense when <laughs> no. you, you, you're, you're playing him down on the first line in San Diego and he's lighting it up, and then you call him up and say, hey, we're going to play you nine to ten minutes a night to play on the fourth <laughs> line and you're not going to be playing with a lot of guys who are going to be able to get you the puck if yeah. gonna good luck up, good luck yeah. enjoy yourself if they're going to call him up they're going to play him <laughs> with somebody that uh, is going to benefit from him whether it's it's adam henry whether it's ryan kessler or it's ryan getzlaff whoever it is i, I think that's what they're going to do when they want the chance to call him up mm-hmm. uh last thing i want to touch on before we get to questions uh let me actually let me see what Actually, you know, we'll save this for the next show because I think it'd be a good. It's a little bit of a long topic, and I, I want to try and keep it under an hour tonight. But um, just for reference and what we'll talk about next time, Sportsnet put out an article of their top ranked defensemen. Oh, and yeah. They had Cam Fowler ranked at six and Lindholm ranked at eight. <clears throat> um, I think that is is a conversation that warrants maybe a little bit more of like a, than a two minute discussion. Uh, yeah, yeah. So because I, 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 I read that article and it is a damn good article yeah. and uh there's what, a lot what of impressed, information yeah what impressed me the most you know once again we're not gonna get too involved in it real quick but uh they they you know they they broke down hey this is over the last three years here's each criteria how it matters what percentage we gave it or what weight value it is and there were just tons of data and so much data that just kind of broke down between what they do on the penalty kill, what they do on regular strength, what they do with, you know, the defensive partner, what they do in comparison to other defensemen at their level or at their age. I mean, they completely broke it down. It was really, really interesting. So I guess we won't talk about that. No, no, we'll, we'll <laughs> I, I want to, but I, like I said, I know we, we don't have, time. if we talk about it now, we're going to be getting we'll go fan questions at like an hour and 10 minutes. And then we're, this show's going to be an hour and a half again. Um, so yeah. let's, get, let's get into the fan questions now and we'll end it on that. Uh, we'll start on Instagram. McCann uh, kind of just proposed a situation rather than asked a question. He said, you wake up and see news that says Carlisle has been fired and Quenville has been hired. What do you do next? Um, all right. So I haven't seen any of these questions, so I'm just going to go off gut instinct. Yeah. Um, even if they hire Quinville and they, they move out um, Carlisle, I don't feel it's a change. I feel like it's an old school mentality. Yeah. And so I feel like he'll just want to go – well, I have these defensemen that I want to do this way and I'm going to do this methodically, you know, because this used to work for me three, four seasons ago or whatever it is. And, but now that's not the, the new NHL. So even though Quinville is an amazing coach, uh, set all times and wins, I believe, behind uh, Bowman. I don't think everyone just like no play hockey. No, it's a structure. It's a a type of play that needs to happen. And if you're going to change a coach midseason, it better be a drastic change. And I don't think Quinville is that all that much different than Carlisle is in his philosophy. I, I think so to some extent too because you look at the the system that uh, Quenville was employing this year and it wasn't a great team in Chicago and even for the last few years I think obviously it worked at a time and I, I think it's it's not as bad as Carlos obviously it, it is a better system he is a a more prestigious coach but it's slowly going out of style it's slowly getting outdated I think and 
one, I don't think he would want to come here. I, at, at this point, you look at the, how the roster is constituted. I think he would either wait and see if a, a more high-profile team like the St. Louis Blues decide to fire their coach or wait yep. until the offseason and then have his pick at whatever team decides to, to move on and try and try and hire him at that point. And, and two, I don't think the Ducks can afford whatever he's going to want. Uh, his resume alone means that he's going to get probably over $6 million per year. Uh, and the, the Ducks aren't a team that's going to spend that much money on coaching. So, uh, I, I don't think, uh, but I woke up and, and I said, uh, I kind of said, I don't know, I'll be honest, uh, but I would be, I guess it would be a little bit longer tonight. I'd be a little happy because I wouldn't think that direction is going to be any better than it currently is. But at least there was a change, and then who knows? You slap someone hard enough, all of a sudden they wake up. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that works, uh, you know, but maybe more than likely it doesn't. It's, it's the same person the they just Penguins. got slapped. They switched their coach Ex- up. Exactly, they but they, they, it changes. You have to have a significant change in philosophy versus just we're just yeah. changing a coach. So, I mean, and I don't think Quinville's all that much different from Randy Carlisle, at least in the mindset of, uh, you know, the philosophy of how to win hockey, yeah. hockey games. Yeah. <laughs> How to how to do that hockey? Uh, how to do that hockey, indeed. Uh, next question is from Instagram from Wildwing. Uh, he asks, "Who is the first big name player we trade if Bob Murray tries to shake things up in that way?" And, and should we start a Garth Snow style? <laughs> I think he meant to say re, uh, rebuild, but he says billboard to help speed billboard. up the goodbye. Right you know what? I process. like the billboard idea better. Yeah. Yeah, just a uh, <laughs> just yeah. having a Garth Snow oh, like a la Wayne Gretzky when he's like in like short shorts on the ice. We can just yeah. do like a big billboard there, but with Brian Brian Murray's head or something. Yeah. Um, but who's the big first first, uh, first big name player we would trade? Murray traded a defenseman, with the exception yeah. of maybe Josh Manson. But I think still Murray has something that is easy. It has. Validity or deemed like and he's he'd probably be willing to trade it. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because um, we can't score goals, and so to get rid of the guy who has four and our top guy has five goals uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I mean, at this point, I mean, if this season's going to tank, I feel like Silverberg, who's on a contract year, and though he's been decent, is also I, I think Bob Murray is maybe a little bit more wary of giving out big contracts to guys who are a injured b are just now producing at the level they were hoping on a contract year how are they going to do afterwards see adam henrique yeah i i i think if you it depends on what you determine as a big name player right um if you mm-hmm. think silverberg's a big name player then i would definitely go with that i think that's the logical option of who you would move um if you're looking at anybody on the roster uh, nobody else is feasible. Uh, you, you're not going to move Corey Perry. He's hurt and he's right. contract. You're not going to move Kessler. Or Kessler. Uh, you're or definitely Eves. not going to move any of the younger guys in, like Ricard Raquel or Lindholm or Montour. Um, again, I, I guess if you're looking Cogs. at a big move of, of somebody that's going to shake things up, it's what we talked about on the last show, is, is going out and trying to get William Nylander and moving one of either Josh Manson or Brandon Montour. That's the only big shakeup I could see happening. And again, I don't see the Ducks really even doing that, but uh, that would be it. I mean, if you're going to go out and move a big piece, you're you're hoping to get a big piece in return, whether that's a, a young prospect or a player who's going to be able to step in your lineup and play well. You're not going to be trading them for picks at this point. Now, do you think Bob Murray would even trade a defenseman? Because I can't imagine him trading any defenseman at all, unless he got a better defenseman. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting William Nylander, then I think you can trade a defenseman. Um, you'd have to definitely, but you'd, you'd have to look at it and, and say that uh, the, this season's a write-off at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can get William Nylander in the lineup. I just can't. Him. I just can't see. Uh, no, Bob I can't Murray. see it. Yeah, I can't see it. I just. Yeah, he'd have to be sold hard on the game. Yeah, it'd be it'd leave a massive hole on the blue mm-hmm. line that they they aren't really equipped to fix. Point. Um, I guess less what happens from Dave Rodriguez. He breaks out anything positive. Game. They were physical first. Yeah, I le- that I mean that was kind of fun. There was a fight. Uh, Eves was hitting people. He lost his uh, as John Aller said. He lost his chapeau. 
we can do an entire rant show on just John Aller's quotes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it, it seemed like they, for a moment, they said, we're just going to abandon what we were trying to do and we're just going to be just this physical team. We're going to hit you. We're going to hurt you. You're going to feel it. We're going to, you know, you're not going to like playing against us, which was fun, but it was also very selective and it was very first period. After that, it all went away. It went back to, I feel like they went to the first intermission and the coaches said, okay, that didn't work. Let's do this. And then that didn't work. And then they went, all right, well, that didn't work. But let's keep doing that. And then the third period happened, and now we're losing again, and we're down 5-1. So any positives that I have was mm. just that Eves looks better, and they were more physical at least in one period. But um, the other, only other positives, maybe we're one step closer to changing coaches. Yeah. I, Ed? I, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, if it results in Randy Carlisle getting fired, there's some positives from that sense. Maybe the only other thing I can draw is the uh, the look of the power play on Pontus Aberg's goal uh, was something we've been waiting to see. The cross ice passes. It's been a lot of perimeter passes for the for the Ducks on the power play. That was one of the first cross ice passes I've seen on the power play in a, a long time, uh, if at all this season by the Ducks. And of course it works because when you get those types of plays on the power play, that's how you score goals. Those are the way, and he doesn't even one time it, which he's on his offside, which makes sense. But that that's probably the only other positive I can draw from it. It was a pretty bleak game, and in all aspects of it for Anaheim, there wasn't really much going on defensively. It was a, a nightmare again. Um, bad decision for changes. That's just getting me lately. It's just. <laughs> Three or four goals as of late have been as a result of a change. There was a real bad one in Dallas. The real bad one tonight too. It's yeah. It's it's just. And to that point where that power play goal was scored, quite honestly, I mean, in your honest opinion, Ed, if Devin Dubnik is in net, does that puck go in? That little hesitation well, that might probably not. But the fact that it was Alex Daylock, it was almost. It, almost put himself down and out to almost not make the save unless it just happened to hit him. I just feel like Devin Dubnik maybe would have played that a little bit better. And we're looking at a five, nothing shutout. I mean, it's yeah, or worse. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of uh, great aspects to what happened. I mean, we got a goal, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's pretty much it. Um, Loads. So that uh, that kind of pretty much wraps up this post game show today. Yeah, uh, we almost kept it under an hour. A couple things that uh, we have to hit on. If you haven't checked it out yet, we uh, me and Jason did an interview with Max Jones. Uh, it's a goodie. Uh, yeah. So yesterday, uh, from when this podcast is being recorded, uh, we did an interview. It'll be at the at the end of the the video here. You'll see it, and it's also on our channel as well. So check that out. It's a, it's a, about a good eighteen minute video. We talk a bunch of different things. We talk about the golf classic. We're going to San Diego. Uh, oh, he gets a delivery. The interview. Of the uh, interview <laughs> with Drake. Uh, so he was just yeah. he missed a few that time. Oh, you're, you're glossing over this. We got no trouble here. Fucking check out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we got to also check out. Uh, also, have to on our Patreon. We did a bunch of other recording donors put up for the different Patreon as well. Um, so check that out. Uh, the what are we doing next? We're doing the the rant show next. Yes, we're doing the rant show, and then we have okay. a top ten show coming up as well. So for sure, check out uh, Patreon because the rant shows are pretty much just Pat losing his damn mind over whatever I can find to just poke the bear with. <laughs> yeah, the rant so, show and Pucks and Brews are my favorite ones. To yeah, they're so good. <laughs> those, those are the best ones. So if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, it's been scrolling across the bottom of the screen on the ticker for the the entire show. But if you haven't seen it, it's www.patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. Uh, so check that out there. Last but not least... Uh, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors, Cool Hockey. Um, they have been gracious enough to give us a jersey to give away each month for the Forever Mighty Three Stars leaderboard that we run on Twitter. Um, and you can also use the code FM20 to get 20% off your order. Um, and if you haven't checked it out too, they have a great deal on their website right now. It's a buy one, get one uh, surprise mystery bag type deal. If you buy a customized jersey, they'll send you a random uh, Reebok jersey for free uh in their order so i didn't know that really yeah that's i don't know if they're still doing it which is 
pretty poor research on my part. <laughs> but uh, as of a day well, ago, at least you did it live. Uh, yeah, as as of, as of a day ago, they were doing it. So if they're not, if they're still doing that, check that out. If not, then use our code FM twenty and you get twenty percent off your order as well. Yeah, I mean twenty percent off is you know, especially if it's like a two hundred dollars jersey, it's forty bucks off. Just plug it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that pretty much wraps it up for the show. Uh, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, uh, check us out there. The stream tonight was uh, a little bit choppy, so I'll have to check into that uh, at the end of this. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ed. It's uh, it's it's let's blame it on Pat because uh, I'm running speaker, <laughs> I'm running speaker and YouTube tonight, so it's it's uh, contributing to the lag a bit. But uh, check us out on there and uh, subscribe as well, and then hit the little bell notification because you do get updates on when uh, we're gonna go live and and when we put out new videos, such as the interview we did with Max Jones. All right, thank you guys.